0: Welcome back to the Effort Over Everything podcast. I'm your host, Jason Kleep. On today's episode, it's another Effort Weekly with a team from NC Fit, Gabe Yannis, and MDV. The bulk of today's episode is about some news that, that hit the CrossFit world with Dave Castro being let go from CrossFit HQ. What does that mean for the company? What does that mean for the games? We share our insight on today's episode. Primarily that for the bulk of the episode, actually. Then we dive into the CGM. I'm wearing a continuous glucose monitor, and I share why. In this episode, And finally, Gabe Giannis gives away his secrets on what he's doing for the EOE 40 Challenge and his nutrition goals. Before we dive into the episode, letting you guys know, hit us up on social, let us know what you're looking for. We've been putting out these episodes for quite a while now, hopefully you're getting to know Gabe, myself, and MDV better, but hit us up on social, hit the links in the description if you want to hit us up on IG, and I hope you and your family are having an incredible day. Let's go. <laughs> Dave Castro got fired from CrossFit HQ. I was at the gym yesterday. I was coaching and I shared that information with the members there and they were shocked. And frankly, I was a little bit shocked, uh, but how'd you guys feel about
1: it?
2: Well, so let's give everybody a little bit of history. Um, Dave Castro was... The director of the CrossFit Games for the past who knows how many years. He 15, was also.
0: This is gonna be his 15th season,
2: actually. F- 15 years. So he pretty much, along with Greg Glassman at the very start of competitive CrossFit, came up with the idea for the CrossFit Games. It was probably, I think, actually much more Dave's idea than anybody else's. But Dave was also, for a very long time, co director of CrossFit Seminar Training Team along with Nicole Carroll. So he wore a couple of different hats that were very important. And Dave Castro is the number one guy or the number two guy, depending on how you look at it in the CrossFit organization. Um, And probably the most recognizable public figure in the CrossFit organization out of anybody kind of took the spotlight during the CrossFit game season and also developed a big personality and, had some stuff that happened over the course of his tenure that was a little controversial, but yeah, he got fired from CrossFit HQ. And I think the world essentially found out through Dave's own social media post. It's crazy. One one thing I want to note is a lot of people who don't know Dave
0: personally don't realize all the contributions that he actually made to CrossFit. I think that's an important note to make people look at him as the director of the CrossFit games, but as MDV mentioned, Dave Castro gave me my first job with CrossFit HQ. So at the 2009 games, I won't, I'll never forget this. I mean, he made a profound impact on my coaching capability because what he did for me is after 2009 CrossFit Games, I took fifth that year. He came over and uh, he offered me a position for CrossFit seminar staff. And I had been working to get on that for a while. So he really was the person, along with Nicole Carroll who led a lot of those seminars, especially in the early days. I mean, he taught a lot of them. He taught my level one. And so he wasn't just the games guy. He was also the person screaming from the hilltops about the actual methodology while still being active duty at the time. I think he was active duty until like 2010 or 11. I want to say he was still on the team. So he's made more contributions than I think people realize to the actual training organization side and level one but I think he gets his notoriety and the fame, obviously, from all the open announcements, the regionals, the games, all that type of stuff. So to, to see him get fired, um, I think is, is causing some shock in the community. Um, but for those people who understand the way some of these type of deals go down when a private equity group comes in and buys an investment, I don't know if they really care as much about the people who were there before. They're looking at kind of starting from scratch i imagine or, or or at least getting rid of some people in that process and he unfortunately was part of that
2: yeah and i also think we should make it clear before we get into the details of this discussion that these are just our opinions that we don't have any inside information on what actually went down or the facts of why someone was let go of or what was going on in the new ceo eric rose's mind so these are just our opinions of the situation I think I felt that the timing of it was strange. Um, You know, we're coming right into the 2022 Open, which is going to start in February. And Dave had just announced a few days before that he had finished or finalized the Open workouts. So that at least seems to me like he might not have been expecting this. Um, And then also the words that he used in his social media post and how he described the communication from Eric Rosa to Dave, in which Dave said that Eric called him and said that he was going to be fired and that they had language that they wanted to use and put out together because they wanted to position this as being mutual. And Dave's response to that was, please don't do that. This is not mutual. So a lot of that.
1: I don't know if there was a please. Oh, yeah, think, there, probably I, yeah, there was no I,
2: please. In there.
1: I, I,
0: think, <laughs> I think in the post, I saw a please, I think, but I don't know if there was in actual terms. We'll see.
2: Yeah, we'll see. But, um, those two things that we are able to know about the situation, at least lead me to believe that Dave was caught a little bit off guard by the timing of, of this move.
1: I, you know, I think it's interesting because I have a different perspective than both of you, probably a little bit closer to a lot of people that are on the outside looking in, because I've never been a red shirt. I've never, you know, obviously, you know, Jay, you know, Dave, on a much more personal level, I know you've had interactions with him. I've shook his hand at the 10-year anniversary of the uh, the NC 10-year anniversary. But, like, to any extent beyond that, like, I know him just as, you know, the announcements and and all that outside looking in. And and the things that are interesting to me are, I don't know, and I, I don't know if these have any connection. But, and again, this is all just speculation, especially for me who's, like, a complete outsider looking in. It was interesting that recently and right on this podcast, we talked about, you know, like Dave's involvement in social media, like calling out James Fitzgerald and OPEX and like the criticism of CrossFit and him coming out and actually being very, very adamantly defending, you know, the fact that CrossFit is, you know, individualized and kind of that whole debate and seemed like he was really kind of going out and defending the brand and training methodology. So that's interesting that that happened recently. I don't know if there's anything there where, you know, maybe CrossFit didn't want, you know, these kind of battles to be like, you know, taken to social media. Like maybe now they kind of want to professionalize and not, you know, address these criticism out out, outside. I don't know. And then the other thing that was interesting, and you know, we can't just gloss over this and I don't know if there's any connection, the fact that what was it 2 weeks ago for the first time in years greg posted that um you know he had uh, lunch with uh with um glassman so i thought that was interesting yeah dave um,
0: dave posted he had lunch with glass I, I don't
1: dave, dave posted that um he had lunch with, with with greg so i don't know it's the first time since everything went down that we've even seen Greg Glassman, like, you know, publicly, publicly or having any sort of interaction with someone that still is at HQ. It was interesting that the post was like, hey, so great to see him. I don't know. I don't know. I I speculate all you want if there's a connection there. But I definitely thought that the timing of that to this being two weeks apart was interesting. Yeah, I think the timings.
0: I don't know if the timing had anything to do with I could speculate on the timing from a investor side perspective, maybe when they took over shares of stock, who knows, right? Maybe when it actually, anyways, you could speculate a variety of reasons why they did the timing the way they did, but a couple of weeks before the open, it just seems kind of odd. you would think they would at least get through the open maybe because he's been such a figure of that for so many years, or maybe they just wanted to rip the bandaid off and say, Hey, you're not gonna have any part of this. But I mean, he's been the one testing all these workouts, developing all these workouts. I mean, are they going to still use them? Are they going to start from scratch. It's just the whole thing. I think, I, I don't think that people, I think that people realize that CrossFit's more of a business now than it was before. I think people acknowledge that and they get that. But I think from a, Per, um, communication perspective, I think it just could have been communicated a lot better because it would have led to a lot less speculation on all these different things. And the way that people find out, you know, through a company-wide email to the HQ and then Dave sharing like a morning chaka post, it just seems kind of, it, it seems like the communication could have been better on such a critical, uh, decision from HQ's perspective. I mean, all around.
2: Well, I mean, I think that that's probably an indication that Eric called Dave and tried to keep this, they want to control the narrative behind, right? That's my speculation is that Eric called Dave, told him he was going to be let go, wanted to agree on some language that they would all put out. And Dave probably gave him the middle finger about it and said, we're not going to go that route. You know, I don't agree with the language that we're going to use. I'm going to post this on my social media and that's going to be it. The interesting part is that uh, two days or a day after Dave got fired, he's down with Chuck Carswell in Atlanta. Right. But he's, he's tagging CrossFit training and still promoting that team, which he has always done. He's always been a big supporter of the CrossFit seminar staff team. He's had that team's back for years and years and years. I believe that he still is very strongly – about the methodology of CrossFit and the training of CrossFit and the coaching staff. I think the leadership of the new organization probably is not necessarily where Dave has alliances or allegiances anymore, Um, but you, you could probably speculate that you know, Dave is still going to be somebody who will support his team. He's one of those guys, you know, he's got the military background. He's always going to have the, the backs of the red shirt trainers. And I think those trainers are always going to have Dave's back as well. It's going to be very interesting to see over the next couple of weeks and months, what comes out, you know, watching social media today, it's a little strange because it's like he fucking died or something. Like everybody's putting up these tribute posts and like tagging him in them. And like, he got let go from the organization, but the guy's not dead. He's still gonna be around and be doing stuff. I highly suspect that he's gonna go to another big company, maybe begins with an R and ends in an E, and maybe <laughs> he's gonna <laughs> maybe I, he's gonna run the Invitational. No, I think you're right. I, I think,
0: um, yeah, the tribute things. I mean, I I commented on his post, uh, just saying, hey man, appreciate all you've done for the sport and for me. Uh, wishing you all the best in your next venture because. I do. Like I, I actually text him that too. I hope he does well. You know, him and I have had our differences over the years. Um, because for one thing, I mean, he was true and true to CrossFit HQ, Greg Glassman, the entire thing. I mean, he was as allegiant to that team as possible. And, and I, you got to respect someone who's that, you know, kind of like, all in all the time, especially like you said about the red shirts and whatnot. So, you know, I'm sure this is going to be a, probably a blow to him, but at the same time, I imagine he'll be able to catapult it into something really special. I mean, who knows, right? He's, he's developed his own personal brand, which is interesting because what could he do with that in the future? Could he go and be a consultant for different events? Could he go and work for a Loud and Live or a Rogue or whoever, right? I don't know, um, but I'm sure that there's someone in the market that might see something about his past to help with the game side that could be marketable for him. So we'll see how that turns out, but yeah, I don't think it's like a, you know, Memorial Like I, I don't think it's one of those situations. I think it's just, Hey, cross HQ do what they had to do from a business perspective. He's going to go move on and go do his thing. And in the meantime, people are going to be pretty frustrated about it, but I'm sure that in the long run it'll work out for everybody.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm curious if you guys, obviously it seems like in the short term, especially like you said, with the Open around the corner, this obviously isn't a good thing for CrossFit, right? I think that there's a lot of people that feel that someone that was integral to why they fell in love with this training methodology and the Open specifically in the first place is now gone. I feel like a lot of people that maybe were on the fence about coming back to doing the Open this year or getting back to, you know, this this rebuilding that CrossFit has gone might be pushed away by this decision specifically, but what do you guys think the, like, is this maybe a, a positive move in the long run for CrossFit? Cause we say this all the time, like, you know, the people that get you to a certain point aren't necessarily the people that are going to get you to, you know, wherever you want to go. And, you know, again, Eric Rosa don't know him, but it seems like a very successful smart guy and, you know, there's got to be a reason why, you know, they're going in this direction. And maybe Dave wasn't a part of that plan. You know, do you guys see this as something that might be positive in the long run? Is it too early to tell? And also, you know, I'm curious to hear from you guys, because this is one thing that we've talked about before, you know, how does an organization, whether it's CrossFit or, or a gym, best deal with having to lose a key member of their team that clearly has the backing of a lot of other members of their team. Because I know it's happened to us. I'm sure it's happened to gym owners. For whatever reason, you lose a head coach that, you know, all the members and other coaches love. You know, how do you kind of navigate that shit?
0: Well I, I did see something online that I thought was interesting. I'll share with you. I, I watched one person's perspective. He said, hey, I am new to CrossFit, but I watched the CrossFit games. And I don't understand why you guys think uh, removing Dave from the position is a big deal. He said, when I watched the CrossFit Games, my first impression was that this thing was all about Dave Castro and it wasn't about the games or the athletes. This was this person's comment, right? And I imagine that when the new leadership was looking at it, they're trying to make CrossFit about CrossFit and not about any singular individual. And, you know, Dave to his um, credit built up a huge individual brand and made himself a major focal point of the games, but maybe by doing so he put a target on his back in the sense that he became too big there and it wasn't about the cross of games. It became too much more about him. And so therefore they had to make that pivot. And I think long-term, um, I think long-term the the games will continue to move on the path that they were supposed to move on. I think if they're, if they're ran successfully, if they're ran the right way, I think they're going to be successful. I think Dave had a lot to do with that to this point, but I think the point that this person made in his comment is valid in the sense that like the CrossFit games needed to be about the athletes and about the event. And
2: maybe he was too much of a focal point of it. Or maybe think- that was the draw was right. Go ahead. Yeah. Maybe. I think we at some point in this discussion, we should get into the topic of whether or not the CrossFit Games have be, have been successful the past few years. A lot of the moves that have been made, whether or not Dave was involved in those, which I don't necessarily think he was, in terms of scaling the, the, the regionals back, going to a different type of format, changing the format again the next year, you know, re- removing social media, bringing it back, changing the format again – I, there's been a fucking ton of confusion yeah. about how this competition goes down, which is not necessarily the best thing for a growing sport or sport that you're trying to generate interest in and get people to really get behind and understand how the season works, understand how the fucking event is going to work. So I think we, we can get into that uh, topic of conversation in, in a minute, but I do want to uh, call a spade a spade here. Listen, my relationship with Dave has always been very transactional. I worked for him. He was my boss. I performed as well as I could in the training organization. And that was about it. I never had a really close relationship with him. There are a lot of people out there and you can read the comments on social media that Dave rubbed the wrong way. I think his personality, Jason, like you said, as the director of the CrossFit Games, he definitely put himself in the spotlight for better or for worse. But he also kind of played the villain a lot of times. Yeah, He didn't necessarily do himself a lot of favors and intentionally or unintentionally so. Maybe he was just being who he is, but he did a lot of stuff over the years that he is very direct. He does just tell it like it is. He doesn't sugarcoat anything. He does put himself into the spotlight. So those kinds of things, I think you're seeing a very mixed response on social media. You're seeing some people who are saying that this is the end of CrossFit, that this is the final straw, that they have gone completely woke and that this is no longer anything that they want to be associated with, that this is how they're going to treat the number one guy. But then on the other side of the coin, you see a lot of people who are going about time. You know, you've seen a lot of people who say this was a long time coming. You're seeing people who are saying, you know, he, he made himself uh, a target for this kind of thing. I don't necessarily have an opinion on that, uh, whether or not I think he made himself a target or whether or not, you know, this is the end of CrossFit. What I do think is that he was a controversial figure. People either loved him or they hated him. Not many people were very in the middle about Dave Castro. And I think at some level, he might have liked that. He might have liked being the guy that every- he, he kind of he did. You, you know, you saw it in the open announcements he would essentially say, fuck you. Like he would drop the microphone or throw the marker or walk away from the camera or, you know, just do the very like cold and sterile 20.1 is yeah. kind of deal. Like, and people know, he played the people, part. But he played the part and he played it
0: so well. I remember one time I was doing an open announcement. So like you talk about relationship. I, I've had an extensive relationship with Dave in the terms of all the times we've trained together, been together in the open announcements. But one time I was doing one with uh, Chris Clever. This one, I did not understand. This was the first open announcement I had ever done live and we did it, or uh, I think it was maybe the first ever, actually, we did it at the Carson Home Depot Center and we arrived there at 8 a.m. But our actual call time, like when we actually did the event was at 8 p.m. because he wanted to do it underneath the lights. And the whole day, dude, he wouldn't tell us the workout. Like the whole day, I mean, we're, we're having lunch, we're hanging out, we're doing whatever. He would not tell us the workout. And I'm sitting there like, dude, like, come on. And literally, like literally five minutes before the event goes off, he tells us the event. I was just thinking to myself, man, even behind closed doors, he still wanted to make everything about like the the drama and the suspense. And I think that led to a lot of growth of the sport. Now, was that going to be something that's going to keep uh, CrossFit growing at the same rate that it was from 2008 till 2014? Maybe not. But I think that for those years, it was pretty exciting. And I think people really were captivated by it. But if you want to make it into a pro sport, maybe th- that type of thing can't really happen is it would be the argument.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's so much speculation that you can do, but I I, I do agree. And the more I think about it now while we're having this conversation, the more I remember all the little things that- To the mic that.
2: drops, man. <laughs> the Glock controversy, remember that? Oh, remember the yeah. whole giving away a gun controversy? <laughs> Right um, at the middle of, like, a, there was a school shooting that happened or something, and then they decided to announce that they were going to give away Glocks to the, the winners of the CrossFit Games.
1: Yeah, a lot of interesting moves. And even the whole, you know, his presence on social media is incredibly controversial. Yeah, You know, he's got you know, the TDC hunts page that I actually really enjoy following, but that, you know, he always posts screenshots of people like replying to, you know, him. He hunts a lot of wild boar on his property and, you know, people respond saying that like, you know, all, we don't have to get into that, but, you know, he shares that. He's very open and uh, outward about what you said. It's like, he he doesn't give a shit. You know, he doesn't give a fuck. This is what I do. And he's going to literally put you out there for the world to see if you disagree which you know like that's just who Dave is or it seems it's who Dave is but I can definitely see as an organization tries to grow especially an organization that you know does come from Bay Area tech leadership now um you know tries to kind of fit that mold and I don't I mean not I don't think Dave
2: Castro doesn't fit that mold just doesn't the one thing that um I look back on the whole acquisition of CrossFit by Eric Rosa and his partners. And the one thing that is super fucking cringeworthy for me right now are all the staged buddy, buddy conversations that they had where Eric's sitting there with Dave or whatever. And, you know, they are, they're talking about like how they're such good friends and, you know, it just seems so like thinking about it now and how this went down and obviously things change. Decisions could have been made behind closed doors or stuff could have happened behind closed doors or whatever, but it just seems so fake and thin to think about how, you know, you have this guy who's sitting there and he's the, the, you know, the tech millionaire who bought the company and like, he's going to try to be best friends with the director of training and bring back all these other personalities. And there's something icky about that for me right now, where it's like, all right, I get it. This is all about the investment. And I think everybody knew that from the jump. Everybody knew that, you know, this was going to be something which he paid a fucking boatload of money for, which I don't know how much, but a boatload. And you're not going to just be satisfied with losing money. Like you have investors who you have to satisfy. You're going to want an ROI. You're going to come to try to eat everybody's lunch in terms of how you're going to build your business, collect data and Maybe he played the game for the, for, for as long as he could play the game. And then it was the last straw, whatever it was. Yeah. I think you're hitting the nail on
0: the head. So, you know, I I just think for anyone who doesn't know Dave, right. He, I mean, he is who he is and I could appreciate him for being that right. Like in the, in the teams, if I'm not mistaken, they actually made shirts at one point that said Dave Castro is a dick. Um, Isn't that true or prick. Uh, prick prick prick. Yeah. Prick. And It's just like, you know, when he was an instructor, like that was just the way it was. And, um, but as Miranda clearly noted, he was the first one to come out there and and support as well. Um, you know, for him and I, like I said, we've had our differences, but he definitely, definitely, definitely supported me in a, in a ton of different ways. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I really, I really wish that he catapults into this next phase and whatever he does, I'm confident he'll, he'll, he'll crush it just. Obviously won't be
1: with the with HQ. I mean. is there any part of this, and again, this is like full speculation and I know that I'm asking you know the opinion of two people that you know wouldn't have any inside information on this either. But you know, again going back to the timing and it being you know like new year and like what you said, you know this this is an investment now. there are people that expect an ROI and expect movements. Is this also one of those moves? similar to you know big sports fan here you know when a team isn't doing well like someone has to take the fall and can't fire everyone can't get rid of everyone like is it uh looking at 2021 for crossfit things falling shorter than expectations and being like you know got to shake up the boat somehow and because of a lot of the reasons that we've mentioned like you know Dave Castro is just the guy like, you know, the manager always gets fired when the p- players underperform. Why is that? You know, that doesn't always make sense, but it's the way it goes in, in sports at least. Yeah. I,
2: I I understand the analogy you're trying to make that happens in sports all the time. <laughs> the fucking manager falls on the sword for the team, for the players who are underperforming. I, my opinion on this, again, no inside information. My opinion is that something was the straw that broke the camel's back in terms of either a post, uh, a a comment, uh, you know, behind the scenes interaction. Um, Something made this move happen when it happened. And I don't like, I agree with Jason. I think the timing is fucking weird at the beginning of the open um, and all the other scenario that we kind of talked about before that. I just think that something happened where, Eric made the decision that he might have wanted it to make for a long time and just was either putting it off or didn't have the cojones to make right away. Yeah, it's all speculation. I, I am curious though.
0: You know, I would also be interested to hear uh, how equity was distributed between um, people and the vesting schedule. I don't know. I don't think that's gonna be public information, um, but I would be interested to see how previous HQ people when Eric and team bought the company and they pulled Nicole Carroll, for example, back in and Dave and others, did they receive some type of equity share of the new organization? And if so, what did that vesting schedule look like? Typically, you know, you're looking at a three, four year vesting schedule. Let's just say, uh, was it, and then, and then is that vesting schedule happening? Like, you know, in a couple of months, you know, I, I don't know. It, it, That is total speculation, but I would be really, really curious to see how that equity share went. Because I imagine there had to have been something like that. And then, um, and in the schedule.
1: I mean, Well, I was just going to say like, yes, it's purely speculation, but, you know, at least knowing what I know, and it's not a lot, but like knowing what I know about how a lot of these private equity deals work, like none of these things are uncommon, right? Like, you know, the fact that there are, like you said, you know, schedules and best schedules and and very big deadlines, because going back to MBB's point again, like for the people that are in charge now behind closed doors, you know, this ends up being a math equation, a business equation, every piece of it does, right? And if, like you said, there's a deadline coming up on, you know, whether there's equity distribution or whatever, you know, that's when decisions do get made. And, you know, maybe it is, has less to do with, you know, his social media and all the things that we've been talking about and it just purely comes down to, you know, financial decisions, who knows, but it's not uncommon that that's how these things work.
2: Yeah. One of the things I'm going to be really interested to watch in the coming weeks and months is, you know, CrossFit HQ, the new leadership has made no secret that they want to pull in a lot of the OGs into the organization. They went out and they pulled in a couple of people who were running a programming company. They pulled in a couple of people who, you know, like you said, Nicole Carroll got pulled back in. They pulled in a couple of people who were outside of the organization, who were uh, outside of the formal HQ, quote unquote, but were big time seminar staff members. And all of those people, to my knowledge, are Dave Castro loyalists through and through. And where does the where do the chips fall now that this decision has been made? Is it? Hey, I'm going to ride or die with CrossFit HQ, no matter what, or do I, you know, take personal loyalty and and put it over that. Don't have to name any names, just something I'm really interested to see how it all shakes out because Dave was one of those guys that the people who are fucking loyal to Dave were loyal. I'm not going to say to a fault, but would do anything for him that they were more loyal to Dave than anything else. So I want to kind of see how that shakes out.
0: Yeah. I think at the end of the day, you know, look, I like having this conversation. I think it's fun. Um, I, you know, I appreciate it. Meaning like I imagine HQ is in a tough spot. They're trying to figure out what to do with these legacy employees who many of them have created themselves as figureheads in the community. For example, Adrian Bosman. I don't know what his role currently is. I imagine he's still in charge of seminars and whatnot, but. whatnot, he's been a figurehead in the old school CrossFit community forever and Castro and Nicole and whoever, you know, and a bunch of others. But I also think from a business perspective, just because there are figureheads or they made contributions in the past, you know, that may not align with where the vision of the business is going in the future. And so ultimately, you know, I think anybody who saw this sale figured that eventually some of these things were going to occur. I didn't think it was going to occur like this. I, I thought maybe different type of communication, whatnot, but. I think ultimately HQ is doing what it needs to do to put itself in the best position to be successful. And as a return, um, you know, there might not be a place for a few people, but I'm confident that if they've done, if they've earned their title and their notoriety and what they're doing, they're going to go out and find something else. That's just as good. And, um, I'm looking forward to seeing what Dave does. I
1: agree. You know, one thing that I, Want to make very clear kind of before we wrap up this part of the conversation is that as much as you know we're speculating different things here and asking different questions like and i know that you know you guys would agree like i i hope that this is a positive move both for crossfit and for dave you know i don't know dave very well but you know and we say this all the time you can make the argument that you know at ncfit with the app we have with the collective and now crossfit having cap like they are competitors to an extent but Jay, you say this all the time. We want to rise the tides. And you know, my little sister actually just took the CrossFit level one. My parents moved out here to Texas. They joined a CrossFit gym because it's the best way for them to like plug into a community, do fitness. Obviously there's no NC fit out here maybe yet. Um, So, I mean, I, I, I still, regardless of where the chips fall, hope that, you know, this is a good positive move for CrossFit moving forward. Hope it's a positive move for Dave moving forward. Um, but it will be interesting to kind of follow the story and, and, and kind of see where things go.
0: Yeah. I think all the people that are getting like really, really frustrated and, and creating these knee-jerk reactions, you know, I would recommend for them just to kind of chill for a second and think about the big picture and they don't have all the information. They don't know all the backstory, right? I just wish both companies all the best, right? Or the company and Dave all the best. I think the speculation's fun to think about what actually went down, but ultimately I think the truth will come out in the future and it could just be, hey, HU has an agenda to go do this. And Dave didn't fit in line with that particular agenda. And it is what it is. Um, you know,
2: the, the social media comments on Dave's post, and then also some of the, the posts, from the, post. game, the games post, it's like the sixth circle of hell in there. Like if you, <laughs> if you want to <laughs> maintain any level of sanity and faith in humanity, do not Get go on and there. read the comments. <laughs> it's really bad. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it just shows the type of times we're in right now. Right. Like, um, for sure. But you know, I, I, I will, I I do want to acknowledge while we're talking about Dave though, like, again, he made a lot of contributions. He ruffled some feathers for sure. But one thing is for sure, for sure. Like the games would not be what they are today. 100% like undeniable without Dave Castro. Like there has been other players during, during the years who've made contributions, including back in the day, Tony Budding, who a lot of people don't even know who he is. He made a lot of contributions as well, but it wouldn't have been what it is today without Dave Castro. Cause it started at his family's ranch and it was really his vision to grow, right. Going from the ranch to the home Depot center was a lot of his vision. And he was pushing this narrative forward. You know, Greg was never a huge fan of the sport. He really never thought of it that much, but Dave really did. And, um, you know, he created a lot of opportunities for a lot of athletes to be making a lot of money doing what they love for a living. So congrats to him for that. And, uh, you know, I hope he goes out and crushes his next thing.
2: Yeah. And regardless of what you think of the competitive side of the sport and decisions that have been made in the past, and you can certainly, it's another interesting conversation I have. You can go and you can argue, hey, yeah, you should have done this. You shouldn't have done that. There's no way in hell that CrossFit gets a Reebok sponsorship without the proliferation of the CrossFit games. It put CrossFit in a position to make a massive deal with an international company, which really helped grow CrossFit for better or for worse. Again, there's some arguments that can be made there, but it, it made massive, massive business sense at the time for CrossFit to partner with Reebok, sell the Nano, have the Cross Reebok CrossFit games, and all the things that have come out of that, including companies like noble and other, these other things that have now become more popular in the space. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, with with yeah. all that said, what do you got under your t-shirt? Jay? <laughs> so under
0: my t-shirt, I'll just, uh, so I have, um, what did you call, how did you
1: describe it? Uh, it's, it's a CGM. It's a continuous, C, glucose, continuous monitor.
0: glucose monitoring system. Right. And, this is an interesting topic because I just put it on this morning for the first time ever. Um, I had received one from a company like maybe six months ago, and it just, I looked at it and it was just kind of bulky. And I thought for sure if I was doing jujitsu, it would get knocked off. I thought for sure. But this new one I got is pretty, pretty flush with the skin, and it has this athletic uh, um, kind of cover that I could put on top of it. But essentially what happens is um, you download a few different apps. So I think the systems are, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with these continuous monitoring systems, like a year or two from now, once the technology catches up, because right now you need to download two different apps, one from the company, one for the actual like blood monitoring system on your skin. You then, um, it it requires a fast for eight hours. You can't uh, drink anything, eat anything, uh, exercise at all. And you basically place it on your body, right? So I, I put it on this morning, and it takes two hours to get its initial kind of like um, bearings. And I'm gonna be able to tell my blood, uh, blood sugar le- levels um, moving forward. And I'm really interested to see, based on the food I eat or what I drink, what impact that has on um, my blood glucose levels. And as a byproduct, what impact that has on like the. Um, Hormone, like like insulin levels and things of that nature. So that's really why I'm doing it, is just to capture some data.
1: That's interesting, Jay. I'm 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 pumped to see how that goes. Um, I've looked into getting one and just kind of haven't haven't pulled the trigger. So I'm interested how your uh, experiences with that. Um, but it brings up an, a really interesting conversation that I know MDV wanted to have, which is you know, there's I think a slippery slope or this like misconception, and I'm not saying that this applies to you in this monitor, but it definitely applies to a lot of people and a lot of wearables in general, where there's this kind of like blind trust in what the data is is showing you. And people almost become obsessed to like, take the whoop strap, for example, and I'm only using that because this actually happened to me. Got a whoop strap, you know, it's supposed to use HRV. And we talked about this on the podcast before Mm -hmm. to tell you how recovered you are or not. And I noticed after a few months of using it that, you know, now, whatever this percentage on this app told me almost started defining how I felt more than how I felt being reflected by what it showed. me. Mm. Um, so I think it's interesting because, you know, as we get access to so much more data, like it's incredible that now using these CGM monitors, like you literally know throughout the
2: day what you're... Um, blood glucose levels are um can i ask a question quickly before yeah. we if if you're not diabetic why why the fuck do you need this thing why do you need a continuous glucose monitor on you <laughs> so the so the
1: argument is that because we have so many people getting to pre-diabetes and diabetes you can like never get to that point by really understanding which food because so I've done, I've looked into this quite a bit, so I can just give quick, quick background. The reason people become pre-diabetic and then diabetic is like a lot of insulin spikes over time, which is why excessive carb and sugar- uh, Consumption. Consumption is what gets you there. So if you can understand, because the other part of this is that not all carbs will make your sugar spike the same way. If you're having candy, which is refined sugar and nothing else, you'll see a big spike and a big drop. Whereas if you have a piece of fruit that yes, will have a good amount of sugar, you're going to have a lot of fruit, but it has a lot of fiber in it. It's going to not be the same type of spike. So learning those things, because there's also a big in between and also understanding because for example, one thing that's super interesting is people have very, very different insulin spikes to dairy. Like that's something where I might have almost no insulin spike to milk whatsoever, but Jason might have a really, really big one. And using something like a CGM will really be the only way that you can understand in those gray area foods, what things maybe you shouldn't have as much because you, your specific biology makes it spike a lot more than other people.
2: But I thought there was something, and this is something I have to brush back up on, but I thought that there was something in dairy that although it Produces either an insulin spike, that the blood glucose does not rise with dairy. I I have to look back into it, but my knowledge way back in the day when I read up on this was that dairy was an outlier for some sort of reason. But I have a, a kind of a bigger question Do we need more continuous glucose monitors, or do we just need some better fucking education that people need to eat fruits, vegetables, lean protein? Uh, nuts and seeds, if you want to throw those in there, fats, avocados, coconut oils, all those kinds of things. We definitely don't need these MDV. Like the reason why I'm wearing it It is because uh, because
0: I'm a big believer in like, I want to try new things. I want to educate myself. I've never done this before. And now I could come to the table a month from now to you guys and be like, Hey, at least one of us has, has actually had this thing on their body for a month and evaluated what impact, for example, maybe wine would have versus something else or pizza versus something else. I'm just more curious for myself. Like I'm not doing this. They're marketing this particular product that I'm wearing right now as a weight loss component because what they're trying to do is get your blood uh, glucose levels at a level playing field for majority of the day. So you don't have these huge spikes. So therefore you're not using uh, as much insulin as a storage hormone to retain uh, basically blood glucose and fat and whatnot. So that's their marketing angle is that this is actually a a weight loss. Actually, when I downloaded the app, it said, how much weight are you looking to lose? And I put zero because I'm looking to gather the data about what the foods do for me. And I'm just curious. That's why I'm doing it. But I agree with you,
2: MDV, of course. I was just going to say at NC Fit, our marketing strategy is come to the gym, work hard, eat right, and it will all take care of itself. I know I'm being simplistic here, but like this kind of thing where it's like, We're selling people continuous glucose monitors to strap onto their body so that they can go about their day (laughs) and things that are not optimal for them to see, to pull up their fucking phone and look at how it spikes their insulin levels. It it frustrates me because, and I know Gabe, when we get to the core of this might frustrate you a little bit too, is that people just need to be better educated on how to eat foods that are more optimal for promoting lean body mass and a high level of health. And I don't, I don't think the solution is continuous glucose monitors. I think the solution is breaking some of this technology down or deconstructing it or deconstructing a lot of like the complexity that people put behind nutrition and just giving people simple rules to follow. And then having the fucking discipline to follow those rules. I know that We're talking about a wearable and you're experimenting with it, but I just get a little bit frustrated by the fact that like, this company is promoting this to people who want to lose weight so that they can learn what these foods are doing in their body. We know what the foods are doing in their body. The foods are causing you to gain weight. You're eating too many of them. Reduce the amount of food that you're eating that's causing you to gain weight and start eating things that are more optimal for you in terms of your nutrition, your health, your fitness, and your life. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to you guys in a couple of weeks. I'm gonna say, hey, when I
0: ate these foods across these because uh, EUE forty challenge, right? When, this is what was occurring in my blood sugar, and it just validates what we're sharing, right? So what I'm trying to do is just again validate what we're talking about. I'm also really curious at the impact of exercise, in particular. Jiu-jitsu, high intensity exercise, and what impact that has on my blood glucose levels. So for me, it's, it's literally nothing but an experiment. And I think that for what we do in the fitness space and who we are, I think it's cool to, to do that kind of stuff. Because then when you speak from it, you speak from a level of experience, which I think ultimately a lot of fitness professionals need to do um, as, a, as a key part of what they're doing, right? Back it up because they're talking about their experiences. So, but yes, of course, MDV, we can't get wrapped up in, you know, if you're wearing this all the time, you're eating like shit. It's probably not a good idea.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I think there's, there's levels to all this stuff, right? Like the analogy in the fitness space, I I would argue is, is, uh, you know, does anyone need like a leg extension machine and a barbell and, you know, stuff that we all use, like, no, you can make the argument that for people's health and longevity, like, you can go on walks and have one pair of dumbbells and you don't need anything else. Like I I understand that you might not need this, but it's just, I understand that the education has to be there so that people realize that, am I not going to fast food three, four times a week? Have I checked off that box? Have I checked off the box of understanding how important hydration, vegetables and fruits are? Yes. But if I want to further understand, you know, how, Starchy foods versus dairy versus all these things like impact my response and energy levels and my metabolic health moving forward, then something like this could be very valuable. Same way, you know, if you've gone to the point where, you know, in fitness, you want to gain a little bit more muscle and be very specifically training for jujitsu, for example, you're going to get a leg extension machine and this piece of equipment and that piece of equipment. Whereas most people, could just start by walking four or five times a week. Or just see. I, a leg I, extension I, I machine.
2: I understand the the argument that you're making there, but I think that this the comparison is probably more akin to supplementation for nutrition yeah. for fitness goals. Because equipment is a whole different story. I get it. It's a tool, it's a more complex tool than you might necessarily quote unquote need. But for me, this is like this is like the nth degree of where I think someone should go if they're thinking about losing weight. Like if you're thinking about losing weight and the first thing that you do is strap a blood glucose monitor to you, again, unless you have some sort of medical condition, you're already pre-diabetic or diabetic, completely different story. If you need to lose like 10 pounds because you got a little lazy uh, through COVID or you're eating a little too much or whatever, like the first thing you should do, in my opinion, is start fucking working out. Start making some better food decisions. Maybe start thinking about your stress levels or your sleep levels. It It's a little bit of like, a, a jump into like the deep end of technology majoring in the minors for me. But I understand also like Jason saying the data that you could get back is interesting in particular, the training data and how that might impact what your blood glucose levels are throughout the day. I'm almost more interested in that than how the foods are impacting my, and my I'm going to be sharing with you guys. I got officially
0: uh, seven more minutes of my uh, <laughs> sensor warm up. They call it. And then, uh, and so, you know, like I said, I've been fasted, only had water today, and then I'm going to go do something and I'm going to see what happens. Um, and I'll get back to you guys on the data and I'll fill
1: in all the listeners as well. Um,
0: you well, know, speaking of, yeah.
1: Soon it's not going to matter. Cause you can just plug into the metaverse and give yourself a six pack.
0: <laughs> yeah. This soon it's not going to matter. I'm going to
1: go <laughs> we be moot in five years because our human bodies won't matter. It'll just hey, be- uh,
0: dude, uh, so. You know what, ba- we got some new gear at the gym and the one piece of equipment I-, I am pretty excited about is I got those, uh, what do you call those, um, those kettlebells Back-press? that are, what's it? Oh, the, uh,
2: the kettlebell that has the handle inside of it. I think yeah. they're called pressing kettlebells.
0: Uh, I'm going to look, uh, we got those and then we got the multi-grip, um, uh, the multi-grip bench press. That I, is- I highly recommend that
2: thing. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And, uh, rogue fitness helping to uh, outfit the NC fit gyms, which has oh, been awesome.
0: Fat, fat bells, fat, fat bells. bells. So I've never, so I just got them in. I'm super excited to give these things a shot. I was first introduced them with, uh, Kelly Saret had him at his house and he was showing me how he's able to work like, you know, just different types of position. Right. And so I've never really seen anybody use them too much um but we're definitely going to give them a shot so i'll let you know how the fat bills go they just arrived and uh gabe yannis you guys just got some new gear out there in the ranch so you got to send me some pictures when we get it all set up
1: will do will do the other thing really quick before we wrap up so this is going to come out when we're a few days into the eoe 40 challenge last week's episode we talked at length about the challenge obviously the dave castro news and you know, Jason's very exciting CGM monitor took precedent this week. Very exciting, very exciting. But the one thing that I I wanted to, you know, kind of commit to the people listening and and you guys, because one of the things that we were talking about is for the challenge, you know, the nutrition components, especially, and also to an extent, the clean sink club uh, component were things that, you know, everyone should kind of, figure out what they're going to be committing to beforehand and, you know, like stick to that for the 40 days. So I made my decision of my nutrition components. I want to share it with you guys. Yes, share it, please. So for nutrition, what I'm going to do is I am only going to have, and after talking to Ariel, not three balanced meals, but four balanced meals. She said that three would be too little for the amount of activity. And I tend to agree, but essentially no snacking. So I will sit down and have, you know, a uh, uh, really early morning breakfast, a second breakfast, lunch and dinner, but there's no like grazing throughout the day. There's going to be no, like reaching for a couple of nuts or grabbing, you know, like a jerky, no dessert, no dessert, no almond good- butter at night with honey on top. No, Ooh. it's going to be like what a balanced meal is as per the hands-on nutrition challenge. So making sure that each of my meals has a protein, a starch, a veggie or a fruit and a fat. And those meals can be, you know, as big as they need to be for me to be full. Like I'm not looking for calorie restriction per se here, but I'm probably gonna get a little bit of calorie restriction just because I'm not, you know, grabbing some, you know, nuts and 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 whatever throughout the day, which I'm actually really, really big snacker. I was telling MDV since he's here at the house, we have the office and I never work from the office. Ariel uses the office alone. I work from the kitchen because I love having the pantry and the fridge like oh, within. Your fridge. <laughs> so um, that's that's what I'm committing to. I'm I'm interested to see, you know, whether there's any and I think there will be fluctuations in body composition, and also just I think it'll be good for me to realize um, how important or how much I might be eating without even noticing by just kind of, you know, grabbing stuff at all times of the day. So
2: very cool. Very cool. Jay, did you, uh, nail down your nutrition
0: component yet? Still thinking it, we need, we need to talk to you guys about it. I mean, I've, I've been throwing around a few ideas in my head. One of them, uh, (laughs) was, uh, well, the CGM monitor, of course. Right. Um, I was thinking about going like legit, uh, pretty legit or legit, um, Oh, no, pretty legit. Like, like, like paleo, like, like meat, nuts, seeds, like, like really trying to avoid. Cause I think what's, what's hurting me on my nutrition side right now is probably just like the not caring and just eating like, you know, cakes and cookies and candies and stuff like that. I think if I just commit to real food, um, and do it maybe three or four meals, like what MD, uh, Gabe's saying, um, that's kind of where I'm leaning towards, but I want to make sure I, I really quantify. I want to make sure it's like really quantified. What is my target? Because I think like. The sleep thing, um, I'll just tell you, so the sleep thing is going to be five thirty during the week. And then it's seven, seven on the weekends, right? So five thirty and seven is kind of where I'm at. I think that's a good goal. I think that the, the movement side is no big deal. Got that. Uh, the clean sink club, that one's actually pretty easy for my family. Like I was telling you because of the kids are responsible for that. So for me, I'm actually gonna do clothes on the floor. That's going to be the thing I'm doing. Yeah.
2: Again, I'm going to really have you text me almost every night. I want to see a picture.
0: Dude, actually, I, I, mean, I can show you my, this, I'm in my office right now. I got, I got a rogue switcher on the floor right now. It's just bad. I just, I throw it on the floor. I I don't know why I do it. It's a bad idea, bad habit. And then the food one's the only one that I kind of have up in the air because I don't want it to be so vague, right? I want it to be pretty quantifiable for myself. You know, when you say like, oh, eat real food, it's like, well, you know, it's having honey on top of a piece of, you know, chocolate kind of real food, you know, like, like.
2: I agree. I think that that's important. Um, that's where I fell short in the 75 hard, not having more definitive nutrition goals and parameters. Um, hey, I wanted to just clear up one thing really quickly. Cause I got an interesting question on social media about the EOE 40 challenge. If you already have a super early wake up, yes, yeah. if you already wake up at 4am for work, you do not have to wake up at 3.20 a.m. What I would recommend you do is prioritize going to sleep 40 minutes earlier. Try to add that time to your sleep in the evening if it's possible. If it's completely impossible, try to find 40 minutes in which you can put back into your day for self-development, for meditation, for guided breathing, whatever it is but try to have 40 impactful minutes. My recommendation for anybody who's a super early riser already is add it back into your sleep routine. Go to bed 40 minutes earlier. Yeah, that's
0: funny. I was talking to the 5 a.m. class yesterday about this actually, because a lot of them were like, well, dude, I'm getting up like whatever to get to your class at five. I'm like, yeah. You know, I was like, well, and then we started talking about this idea of going to sleep a little bit earlier. I thought that was a great idea. So, you know, I I think the nutrition one for me is, is going to be the, the one that I really want to outline for myself. So I'll keep you guys posted. We could, we could talk about it and we'll share more on the podcast about it as well, but that's a good idea. MDV. I like that. Very cool. Very cool. Well, gentlemen, uh, you know, talk a little bit about the cash show, talk about our, our blood glucose. I'm looking forward to providing you guys some insight and I also need to let you know how these Thompson fat bills are. I'm, I'm really looking forward to try, test those out at the gym and we'll give a little report on them. Any, uh, closing thoughts. You two are together in, uh, at the ranch. If, uh, I'm sure you guys are getting a lot of workouts in or doing whatever you guys are doing.
2: No, Texas is awesome. Um, um, it's very cool to see where Gabe and his, uh, wonderful wife, Ariel have set up their, their ranch and Jason, I hope you and Caden get to come out here and check it out. Um, and just enjoying life out here. It's, it's really cool and very thankful to be able to participate in it for a short time here with uh, my buddy, Gabe.
1: Yeah, super fun. I'm um, a big reason that we got this place is to have people be able to come over Comfortably stay. We have the airstream. It's a, it's a good setup for for visits. So looking forward to having you over here, Jay. My Ooh. only final thought is, since we're in the first week of the EOE Forty Challenge, you know this is the week where things seem easy, motivation is high. My advice to you is to really use this week where th- things seem a little easier to find the routine that's going to help you week two, week three, week four down the line where things are inevitably gonna get a little tougher. So definitely use this to get your bearings and build some momentum because, you know, 40 days is definitely gonna feel long, um, but that's that's where the magic happens.
0: Love it. All right, gentlemen, we'll go crushed out there in Texas and uh, we'll be in touch soon. Let's go.